Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Seminary. This podcast is a variety of audio resources from around Southeastern. To learn more about Southeastern, visit scbts.edu. Good morning, Southeastern friends. I'm honored to be here. Of all the places you could be in the world today, I'm so grateful to God that you are choosing to study and to prepare your heart and your mind and your body for wherever God is sending you, for wherever you are going from this place to touch the world. God bless you for being here. I want to ask you to stand one more time. I know you just were seated and got comfortable, but if you are able, please stand. We say this out loud every Sunday before we preach the Word of God at First Baptist Church Woodstock. It's essentially a prayer from Psalm 119.18. I'll say a line. I want you to say it after me. And this is just drawing us with mindfulness to this fact. We're surrendering ourselves in this moment to the power of the Word of God. Truth is a book. Truth is the Bible. And truth is a person. Truth is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we go to the Bible that we might see Christ in all of His glory lifted up and that our hearts will be drawn to surrender of His Lordship, His Kingship, His reign in our life. So say this with me. Open my eyes that I might receive wonderful words from your law. Amen. God bless you. Please be seated. In my life, I have a deep conviction that the preaching of God's Word that seems to have the touch of heaven upon it and the preaching that blesses the speaker and the audience the most is the preaching that flows from a heart that has been prepared for a heart that has been in the study that's been real and recent and ready. And I'm going to share with you this morning from a series of messages that I've been doing at First Baptist Church Woodstock on the Ten Commandments. So I want to invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. I'm going to read one verse of Scripture from Exodus chapter 20. Our focus text today will be verse 7, also known as Commandment 3. Here's where we are. God has the children of Israel in the Sinai wilderness. And through Moses, the Lord is saying this. No other gods before me. Make no idols. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not lie, do not covet. This is who you are, children of Israel. This is what you're to be about. Surrendering to this law will definitively demonstrate before a watching world that you are indeed the sons and daughters of God. Rather than preaching on all Ten Commandments in a half hour, I want to share with you the one that has gripped my heart and convicted my heart the most in recent weeks and that is commandment three do not take the Lord's name in vain or put in another way honor his name Exodus chapter 20 verse 7 from the Christian Standard Bible says this Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. Let's pray once more.
God in heaven, we rejoice at this privilege to assemble together on this beautiful seminary campus in this chapel under the leadership of so many distinguished men and women who have served here before and who are leading us in our field of study even now. Spirit of God, we humbly acknowledge that you are first and foremost our teacher. If we will have wisdom, it will be because you give it to us. If we will have strength for the journey, it will be a grace gift from you to us. And if we are to experience the joy of the abundance of Christ in our life and more of Christ and less of self, it will be because you've chosen to bless us with your presence. So speak this morning through your word. Encourage our hearts. Convict our hearts. Change our hearts. I pause, God, in this moment and say that your name and your name alone is worthy. There is only one name that's to be worshipped and revered and feared and treasured and loved, and it's the name King Jesus. Forgive us for every occasion when we've wanted our name to be known. We're sorry, God, for every time when we've desired in our flesh for our name to be noticed. Give us hearts and families and indeed ministries from Wake Forest all the way to the nations that are consumed with a passion for one name, the name of the darling of heaven, Jesus Christ, your Son and our Savior. Blessed is his great name, the great I am. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the first and most important things a parent does for his or her child is give that child a name. You moms and dads in the house know this, a name means something. A name will describe that child's identity. A name for the rest of their life will be associated with that child's personhood and that child's character. You know this, but as simple as I can put it, a name is how we are known. My wife and I struggled with infertility for five years, and then we had a failed adoption. But out of the blue, in the darkest season of our life, God answered our prayer and let us be parents when we were pregnant with our son, Ezekiel. And in the throes of our pain, we named him Zeke, Ezekiel, which means God has shown himself as strong. We named our second child Mady. It's an old family name. And my wife said, if we have a girl, we're naming her Mady. And I said, you're the boss. Mady's what we're going to have. We named our third and most recent child Abraham. He was born in the midst of a major ministry move for us. We didn't know if he would be a boy or a girl. It was a surprise. And he was literally born in the midst of our move. And so we named him Abraham. He was the child we had while we were on the move. The Bible speaks often about the importance of God's sacred name. Psalm 8.1 and 8.9, Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the whole earth. Psalm 27, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Psalm 29.2, ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due his name. Proverbs 18.10, 
The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run to it, and they are saved. Matthew 6, 9, Jesus says, let us pray like this. Father, hallowed be your name. Acts 4, 12, for there is salvation in no one else. There is one name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. The name Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 13. For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord, he or she will be saved. In Philippians 2, 10, and 11, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess the name Jesus Christ is Lord. Many names are attributed to God in the scripture. Genesis 1:1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He is God, He is Elohim, powerful God. That's His name. Genesis 14:10, blessed be the God most high, who's delivered your enemies into your hand. He is Elion, God the most high. This is His name. Genesis 15, Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? Lord God, it's Adonai. This is his name. Genesis 22, 14, Abram called the name of the place the Lord will provide. He is Jehovah Jireh, God who provides. Exodus 15, 26, I will put no disease on you, for I am the Lord, your healer. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is God who heals. There is Jehovah Nisi. He is our banner. There is Jehovah Mekadesh, the Lord who sanctifies. There is Jehovah Shalom. He is our God of peace. There is Jehovah Roy. The Lord is my shepherd. There is Shema, the Lord who is present. These are his names. The dearest and the best and the most precious songs of the Christian faith. Songs that have been sung for centuries. They're founded upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore. For endless days we will sing your praise. Oh Lord, oh Lord our God. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on what? Jesus' name. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. His name. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, blessed be the name of the Lord. And then it goes, blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. The whole song, blessed is his name.
You were the Word at the beginning, one with God the Lord Most High. Your hidden glory in creation, now revealed in you our Christ. What a powerful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. When Carrie and I, 11 years ago, were in the throes of infertility in that failed adoption, we would stand on the front row at Cross Point Baptist Church in Perry, Georgia, as our worship leader would lead us in this song. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. And I remember when my wife would take my hand and she would squeeze it harder when we would say, He gives and takes away. He gives and takes away. My heart will choose to say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. There's something about that name. The ancient rabbis knew the power of his name. One commentator I studied said this, the Orthodox Jews would not even speak or write the name of God for fear of not completely addressing it correctly. They were afraid to even pronounce the name of God in speech. When the scribes were making copies of the Holy Scripture, when they came to the name of God, they would place their pen down, they would rise and then go bathe themselves and put on different clothes. They would return with a new pen that had never been used and only then would they attempt to write the name of God. That's how holy this name has been to the people of God for centuries. This name is precious. In Isaiah 6, when we see the vision of the Lord, the seraphim singing of the holiness of God, he would cover his face and his feet and his body as the holy, sacred nature of God was praised. That's who the Lord's name is. What an awful thought that someone would drag the name of God down into the mud. What a tragedy to take the holy, saving, healing name of Jesus and use it in any form except praise and prayer. Do you remember the sin of the Tower of Babel? Genesis 11:4. What happened as they erect the tower? They say, let us make what? A name for ourselves. What a tragedy <laughs> on a seminary campus that as we're going, we have any notion but going in any name but the name of Christ. This is a great historical backdrop. <laughs> Only God could write the story of the author of the Exodus life. Moses goes from... <laughs> the bulrushes of the Nile to growing up with access and privilege and education in Egypt. You know the story, he strikes down a man, buries him in shallow sand. He fears for his life, he knows word will get out. He flees to the desert, he's on the backside of Midian. He meets a girl and marries her and starts a family. And for some 40 years, Moses lives as a full-time shepherd watching after his father-in-law's sheep. 
There's something about shepherds in the Bible. Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. Jesus is the chief shepherd. And pastors are called to shepherd the flock. Some by shepherds. Moses learned about God's name in the context of shepherding. In Exodus 3.1, as he's keeping his flock, interestingly enough, you can't make this up. Only a Bible like ours would speak truth like this. As he's in the wilderness of Sinai, or at the base of Mount Horeb, while the symbolism that will happen between Exodus 3 and Exodus 20. This is one of my favorite stories when I was a kid. Moses sees a bush that appears to be on fire. It's flaming, it's burning, but it's not consumed. And this bush, Exodus 3, begins to speak, and it calls Moses by name. And Moses says, here I am. And he instantaneously removes his sandals and begins to cover his face. He recognizes this is a sacred moment. This moment's not like all the other moments. And the voice from the bush says, I'm the Lord God of heaven. I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And I have heard the misery and the suffering of my people. I've heard their cries. And I know about the pain of Egypt. And I'm going to resettle them in Canaan, a promised land that flows with milk and honey. And Moses, I'm sending you to be my messenger. You will lead these people from Egypt. This conversation unfolds between Moses and God at the bush. Moses says in Exodus 3, 11, who am I to go to Pharaoh? Who am I to lead these people out of Egypt? And so God speaks in Exodus 3, 12, and he says, Moses, I want you to be assured this will be a sign. This is a great word. This will be a sign that what I'm telling you is true. When you bring them out of Egypt, you'll get to this very mountain, Exodus 3, 12, and the whole nation will worship together right here at the base of this mountain. And Moses asked another question. Well, what if they ask me who the name of my God is? In other words, as I go to Pharaoh and request this deliverance, what should I say? If he says to me, who sent you to speak to me, what will I say to him? God very clearly answers Moses. You tell him that I am the Lord God, the great I am. I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I am is the one who sends you. This is me. I am the great I am. And you will remember me this way. And in every generation, this is how I'm to be remembered. I am, I am. I have been, I am, and I will be. I am the Lord God Almighty. I'm the great I am. God tells Moses to care less about Pharaoh's response or the people's response and more about his own understanding of who is God and will Moses obey or not the wrong question is what about the people what about the government what about the committees what if it's hard what if I suffer what will people think what if it's not cool what if I have to go alone the right question is who is God what's his name what's the character behind his name where is he sending me what does he want from me how much of me is god worthy of me giving it to him i am is his name fast forward to exodus 19 and 20. we're now brought to see the full scope of the story Moses is the deliverer. He gets the children of Israel out of Egypt. They cross the Red Sea. They've made their way through the Sinai wilderness. 
And amidst this smoke and the fire and the thunder from heaven and the heavenly trumpets that are blasting from the skies, what does God say? No other gods before me. Make no idols. Have no graven images. Now commandment three. Do not misuse my name. For anyone that misuses my name will not go unpunished. Do not misuse, Exodus 20, verse 7, my name. The word means don't lift my name. Don't carry away my name. Don't cast my name to the side. Some say it means to burn the name. Don't forget my name. It's the picture of someone lifting and taking something that doesn't belong to them for their own purpose. Some say it's connected to commandment eight. It's stealing God's name. It's stealing glory that's only due for God. God's name is his name. We're not to use his name for our own agenda. Our name is to be for his agenda. Do not take his name in vain, some translations say. It means don't rush over his name. Don't deconstruct his name. Don't waste his name. Don't use his name uselessly. Don't be flippant about his name. Don't be half-hearted when you mention this sacred name. This is a name that God doesn't want us to hijack. This name is not like a ball for bouncing this name is not to be taken in moments of anger or regret or harshness. This name is not to be used with disrespect or contempt. A couple of things I'll say. First, let's be honest as people, as the people of God. Let's be honest about our failure to worship God's name. Let's repent with all of our hearts of all misuse of the name of the Lord God on high? How worthy and holy is his name. Heaven and earth adore him. For all of eternity his name is praised in the heavens. And how thoughtless, how thoughtless and disrespectful is so much what flows out of my mouth. This is interesting to me. Before the Ten Commandments unfold to address murder, is that a big deal? And adultery, is that a big deal? and stealing and lying and greed are those not big deals before the ten commandments ever address those things god says let's address speech and specifically how you talk about my name matthew 12 36 jesus says on the day of judgment people will give an account for every careless word they speak if we really believed that, this world, indeed our social media, would be a whole lot quieter. If we really believed that God will hold us responsible for everything we say, especially those of us that wear his name, we would be far more guarded with our speech. My prayer is that our words exalt Christ, that our words encourage God's people, that our words will be a testimony to the loss, or maybe we should never speak them. 
If our words can't praise the Lord and edify his church and be a testimony to the power of Christ, maybe we shouldn't say it. Secondly, let's be careful when we claim to speak for God or about God. This is really personal for ministers and preachers. Let's not take advantage of our authority and our platform and use God's name ever so subtly to advance our own agenda. Be careful when you say, God told me to say this. You know, God put it on my heart. The Lord told me to tell you. When I was praying, God told me to tell you. We just throw it around, claiming divine authority over our human plans. And we should be careful with this. A good way to test, should I say something? Is this something I should say? A good way to test it is always to test it against the standard of the word. Am I speaking the word? Am I speaking what I'm speaking with the fear of the Lord? This morning, speaking to the Hunt scholars, I answered something as honestly as I could, but I said this, I say this as best I can with the fear of the Lord because I hope I'm right and I think I'm right and I want to be right. And test your speech or the attitude or the spirit of your speech against the godliest people you know. If godly, holy people are given the platform to say to you, you talk too much, you talk too dirty, you need to be careful with what you say. Listen to them with humility. Watch what you say. We need to know more of God and be sure far more about what we say of him or we shouldn't say it. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 5, and 7, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't babble on like the Gentiles. Using the Lord's name in the context of prayer to be showy. You ever know people, they pray those big showy prayers just... Father God and Lord God and the Lord Most High. And they just speak almost like it's this bromance between God and them and we're all listening. Or sloppy prayers. Or disrespectful prayers. How about this one? Repetitive prayers. How many of us just go through the motions just tritefully saying the same old thing to Jesus with the same old, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How about us at mealtime? How many of us have been saying the same prayer before a meal for the last 20 years? Oh, and Lord, I pray that you would bless us to the nourishment of my body and us to thy service. And we've been saying the same. Is that? I mean, we are about to eat Cheetos and pizza and wash it down with a gallon of sweet tea, and we're praying for the Lord to bless it to the nourishment. We should just say, God, I'm being honest. This is a grace meal that I shouldn't eat, but it's a cheat day. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, that's a more honest prayer. That's a more honest prayer. And the fried chicken and Coke and double stuffed Oreos and blessings to the nourishment of our body and us to thy service. What a lie. What a lie. Not empty phrases, not filler. You know those prayers where they say, Father God, Father God, and Father God, and Lord God. And really what they're doing is using that name as filler until they can think of what else to say because they know people are listening and they're more conscious of people listening than really who they're talking to. Don't babble like the... Don't, don't, don't speak like this in your prayers, Jesus says. What about our singing? 
man, I want to be a worshiper. I want to be a, a man that loves to exalt the name of Christ. But do I mean, all to Jesus I surrender. Really? All to him I freely give. Wow! I will ever love and trust him in his presence. Do we mean that? We just said his name. Third, let's be careful not to be trite or silly or unconcerned with God's name. And I'm drawing towards a close with this. At the risk of you thinking I'm a legalist or a Pharisee or that I'm crazy. Full disclosure, I probably am some of those things. <laughs> my parents were super careful about this, and I'm really glad for their caution. But my parents would snatch me up when I was a kid if I ever said, gosh, golly, jeez. How quickly and casually do we rattle off, oh my God, OMG, Tom Brady's done it again, OMG. We either haven't been taught. We don't know how holy he is. Or worse, we do know and we don't care. I had to call a guy and repent last week on the phone. I knew I was going to preach this message and I can't believe I said it. I'm ashamed I said it. But that's what was in my heart undoubtedly and it just came out. And it was stupid, but I said it. We were having a conversation. This guy in our church was talking about through a relationship with Coca-Cola, which is around the world. That's what he said, Coca-Cola. You know, it's around the world, and we're getting these chaplaincies through Coke around the world. I, like an idiot, I said, oh, yeah, man, Coke's like the Holy Spirit. It's everywhere. And I said, Jimmy, you, Coke is like the Holy Spirit. It's everywhere? And I'm ashamed. And I said to him, hey, man, I, I need to apologize for it. What? He was... What's wrong? And I said, I, I said, Coke's like the Holy Spirit. And he was like, I didn't even notice it. I, and I'm like, I, I'm, I'm, and it was awkward. It was one of the most awkward apologies ever. But I had to say it because God is holy. He's better than Coke. <laughs> this is also related how profane and crude and inappropriate is much of our language. I know, I, I, I've been there. I've been on seminary campuses. I, I was just cussing in the joke. I, I was just joking. Oh, Jeremy, just relax. Just relax. It's about the spirit of the law. Don't be such a legalist. I only cuss a little bit. I know, I know. I only murder a little bit. I only commit a little adultery. I mean, like it's just a little bit of adultery. I mean, I don't steal like unless I really need it. You know, I steal, but I really need it. Is this not a word like the other words? Is a little bit of sin okay? How terrible for someone to use the name of God to condemn someone to hell or to speak of hell and destruction without tears. Is damnation funny? Is hell funny? When the name of God is used in profane ways. Go to hell. Damn you. Is that funny? 
We have no conception whatsoever to speak of being separated from God. How inhumane, how non-Christ-like for one human being to say to another human being, I wish you were in a terrible place like hell. Condemn you, damn you. Or to laugh at TV shows that just casually and nonchalantly throw this name out there while we're sitting in our Christian group just laughing at the Netflix, living it up while the name of our God is cursed. I grew up under Rastus Salter. Dr. Aiken knows this. And it was the 80s, and it was a different time, and it was fundamentalism with a capital F. But this is what Rastus Salter used to say. He would say, I don't have HBO in my house. HBO stands for Hell's Box Office. And I don't have Cinemax Sin to the Max. That's what he would say. <laughs> Sermons from Warner Robins, Georgia in the late 80s. <laughs> but maybe Rastus Salter was right. Maybe it is straight out of hell. And we shouldn't speak of it profanely. Ephesians 4.29, let no foul language come from your mouth, but only what is good. Colossians 4.6, let your speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt. To use profanity or to be crude basically means this. We're either very ignorant. We have no self-control. We're mean as a snake and we don't care who knows. Or we have no respect for God. Which of these could be true? My prayer is Colossians 3, 16 and 17. May the word of Christ dwell richly within us that whatever we do in word or deed, we will do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is a wonderful, positive command that is intended for all of us. Why should I honor his name? Why should we remember his name? Because of the picture of Christ and the glory of his name at the end of Revelation. Revelation 19, 13 says this, He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And he has a name written on his robe and on his thigh. King of kings, Lord of lords, coming on a white horse. That's his name. May we know his name. May we love his name. And wherever we go from southeastern to the world, may we minister in one name. Wonder what it was like for Moses when he got to the base of Mount Sinai. Thundering from the heavens, he hears the voice at the base of Mount Sinai. Honor my name. Do not take my name in vain. Did years before Moses in his mind go to that place when he stood at that same wilderness where that bush was aflame and God told him I'm the great I am. Hallelujah. Holy, holy, God Almighty, the great I am, who is worthy, none beside thee, the great I am. The mountains shake before him, the demons run in fear at the mention of your name, King of Majesty. 
There is no power in hell or any who can stand before the power and the presence of the great I am. God, thank you for the joy and the beauty and the salvation and the mercy that is ours in the name of Christ. We want to love his name. We want to know his name. And when we speak of his name, this great I am that said to Moses, I am who I will be in every generation. You are the great I am today, and we exalt you. And wherever we go, from southeastern to the nations, we exalt this wonderful name. We love his name, and we praise his name, and we pray that his name would be honored and glorified. We're sorry when we've failed you and misused your name. Please forgive us. Thank you for the mercy and forgiveness of Christ. May our lips and our hearts today adore his name. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Consider giving to Southeastern Seminary online or visiting us for a preview day. For information on how to give or sign up for a preview day, visit scbts.com. Thank you.